Before today's topic, a quick disclaimer. The stories and data we share come from the states that we practice in and the experiences we personally had, which can differ greatly across our country and certainly the globe. This is not a professional advice show. So get comfy and let's discuss death. down-to-earth discussion on death and dying. I'm Jem. And I'm Red, and we're your abandoned Avengers this week. So there's one thing we know for certain. Everyone is going to die. More often than not, when you die, you have your family to take care of you, maybe a friend if you don't have any family, Um, children, cousins, nephews, nieces. Someone is going to look after you when you die. However, some people aren't so lucky. There's a lot of circumstances in which these deaths can happen. These are deaths of indigent people. So what is an indigent death? Who are these people? This is a person with literally no next of kin, no family, no kids, no close friends, no one to claim them after they die. And this can also be someone with a next of kin that can't pay for their services. Funerals are costly, expensive, and even the most basic cremation some people can't afford. So what happens to these people? Where do they go? And who takes care of them? So I think before we get into what taking care of indigent people looks like in modern days, we kind of need to trace our roots a little bit and see what uh, society has done with indigent people over time. Um, Because, I mean, obviously, since there were people, there's definitely people that had lesser means than others. That's right. So even in ye olden times, there were, uh, you know, what are they called? Beggars? Spinsters? Spinsters and And all sorts of fun people that have bodies that die and need people to take care of them after this happens. So we've definitely been burying those without means for millennia. And today we would call them something like common crypts or common graves, a crypt being like above ground and a grave below. But in ye olden times, they were referred to as uh, potters or poppers fields. And what did those two words mean? Well, as many things of the time, the term potter's field is a uh, biblical term by nature, and uh, it comes from the potters going out to the fields to dig clay out for their pottery, and then once they have extracted all of their red-brown gold, and that was all mined out, um, it left convenient holes to be used for graves. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I never knew that. Yeah. (laughs) That is so cool. I don't know. I just thought potter's was another word for like poor person, but that is awesome. That is so cool. (laughs) Reuse, renew, and recycle. I like it. (laughs) Yeah, make it easy on everyone else. (laughs) And we all know that poppers is basically like the opposite of like like royalty, like a rich person, right? Yeah, prince and the pauper, as as Mm -hmm. many people may be familiar Mm -hmm. with that that turn of phrase. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we do know from, you know, things like the Black Plague and and anything like this, um, mass graves were pretty common. Um there's even, who was it Beethoven or Mozart was buried in a mass grave because he didn't no have way. any money. Yeah, let me look. Beethoven. Beethoven. 
<laughs> have you what movie is that the dog movie no <laughs> oh wait what? <laughs> it's like uh, is it bill and ted's excellent adventure oh yeah that sounds about right i, I i've seen that movie a million times and there's no reason i shouldn't have the like immediate answer Beethoven. To the they go Beethoven. like back in time or it might be one of those it's one of those it's probably definitely bill and ted's yep Mozart. it was mozart it was mozart oh that's so sad so it was wait so he probably was one of the the artists throughout time that wasn't super popular back then and no one really cared until after he died kind of things yeah yeah you know how it'd be with those famous artists and stuff like that but Mm. yeah he was actually pretty pretty i from my research as a music major i i think i remember that he was pretty poor at the end of his life um, he was popular during his time, but you know, I think that he was kind of a party animal and he spent his money frivolously. Um, so I do think, and you know, I don't think that he had any family. I do think, um, I do know that he was buried in a common grade in St. Mark's cemetery. Um, and actually I am unsure if his grave has been actually located. So he is still there today. That's crazy. Things like this were common in the olden days, and they actually have kind of carried um, carried themselves to the future. We uh, we still do have things like potter's fields uh, that I'm sure you guys have heard of before. Actually, in all fairness, I had never heard of them before I started researching this. Really? <laughs> yeah, straight up. I, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, you see them in like movies and I don't know. I've like I remember knowing about them like Potter's feels like when you watch like um movies about like uh like CSI like homeless people like getting murdered or whatever, they're always like, "Oh, he's going to Potter's Field" or stuff like this. And that's what we call the that's what we call the grave sites that we use in the in the medical examiner's office. It's I feel like it's kind of like cop talk, you know? Yeah. Like it's like Potter's Field is like what you would call the 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 city, the city burial ground. So how exactly does somebody who's indigent get help? for their disposition, whether it's burial or cremation. This is something that's especially determined on a city-to-city and a county-to-county basis, so everything that we talk about, as always, might be a little bit different where you're at. Right, we're going to use general terms and general knowledge because every state is different, every county is different, everyone has their own thing going on because these are state-regulated systems. So to give you a little bit of backstory about how all of these systems actually work, um, a specific funeral home will be the contact of the health department or medical examiner's office or whatever have you. And if there's a city that has no funeral home in it, they'll work with like adjacent cities, larger firms that are nearby. It goes the same for unclaimed bodies, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but oftentimes there's one central location that will take all of these unclaimed bodies and deal with them. Um, and it could be like a collection of counties that all all bring or all have their unclaimed bodies for like extended periods of time dealt with with one county uh, medical examiner's office. So the city in which the death occurred uh, will actually contact the city in which the deceased lived in to actually pay for the disposition. So it doesn't matter where you die, it's where you lived, that that city will be on the hook to help uh, pay for any funeral arrangements. Hmm. And for the longest time, it was actually assumed, you know, if you're destitute enough to be even asking for help uh, for the disposition of a loved one, that you, like, really must need it. But one bad apple, as they say, 
Um, there have been many people that have tried to flip the uh, system to work in their favor when they didn't need it, which just takes resources away from those who actually do need help and can't afford to be able to put their loved one to rest. Exactly. So uh, I'm not going to get into like the super politics of it, but there are regulations now as to like how much your family is making and how much the decedent's estate is in order to qualify for something like a state assisted burial. Um, But I have had people contact the morgue that I worked at um, asking if, hey, if the state cremates, you know, my uncle Jerry, can I have his ashes back? The thing is, is that we can't say no, but that, you know, that's kind of taking advantage of the situation. Like, that's not that's not what this is in place for. Yeah, there's legitimately people like the low poverty line that need this help. And like if they could, they would, but they can't. So don't Mm -hmm. don't be a person that takes food off of someone else's plate and puts it on your own. Because funerals are expensive. Cremation is expensive, even at the lowest cost. I think the lowest I've ever seen just like a direct cremation, uh, you just get the ashes back is like $700. And that's even, yeah, that's about where I've seen it. But that's like, that's a sketchy place. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's bottom line. But there are families living on minimum wage making, you know, less than $30,000 a year and they can't afford that they just can't and if someone dies it's usually an unexpected event so they haven't planned for it um and you know what happens to these people what do they do so the city will uh, attempt to look into next of kin to even take care of these burial or cremation arrangements and like they'll like jem said will fact check the deceased's means uh and the family's claims of poverty so they'll like look into the deceased assets to see you know what they had that's of any major worth and then like the family themselves like how much money are they making mm-hmm. and essentially for many states uh people must be near at or below the poverty line and other possible requirements that may be more stringent for people to even get this help that's true. And uh, being in the morgue, like looking into next of kin is something that we definitely, definitely do that I have done before. And it's usually kind of like kind of like a phone tree kind of thing. So say like, oh, like um, someone died and they don't have any family, but they have a friend and their friend might know that they have like a second cousin or like a sister-in-law. And then that's where we start reaching out to people where we start calling out. The police will do this too. Um, but a lot of the times it's left on the um, death investigators. And um, it's just kind of reaching out to see like, will anyone pay for this? Will anyone claim the body? Um, and when, you know, no, when there's no one or no one wants to claim the body, that's when these decedents become unclaimed. And that's when they become um, an issue of the state. This is actually something that I, I have a huge fascination with because I don't know what it's like. Um, these There must be some cool like high tech database that like cops have, right, that they can just type in someone's name and it shows up like here are all <laughs> the people that this person can know. Because like the amount of times that I sit across the table from somebody that's like, oh, yeah, you know, dad you know we got you know four kids but two of them are estranged and one moved to alaska but we don't have contact with uncle jimmy anymore and i'm just like there's got to be some database that like cops could pull up right like that's a thing somewhere maybe you know honestly i don't recall this being like a common practice it's usually just like 
well, we looked him up and we couldn't find anything. Good luck. And it's like, okay. <laughs> nice. <Awesome. laughs> when you hear about things like genealogy and like, you know, uh, 21 and me, like taking your DNA or whatever, that's, I feel like that's expensive technology. So they're not going to use that for like, you know, um, Joe on the corner. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like it's, it's, I, I've never, that's never been something I've encountered where police are like hacking into the database and like trying to find this guy's like third blood relative. Oh, I'm in <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more often than not like, um, just like, like, a like who knows who kind of thing. That's crazy. That sounds like actual hell on earth. I hate I anybody who's sat through like a cable phone tree like that sounds so bad. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, it's so frustrating when you do find someone and either they're like, no, we don't you know, we didn't like so-and-so, like, they were mean to us, like, we're not going to pay for their funeral, and it's kind of, that's kind of sad, and then second of all, you find, like, a family member, and you call them 12 times, and they, like, never answer you, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's, you know, it's, family is family, and, like, I, I say this now, maybe I'll change my mind if it ever happens to me, but, like, if someone called me and was like, your estranged uncle Jimmy is rotting away in a morgue, do you want to help? I would, I probably would. I just feel like you got to take care of your own and there's a lot of people that just don't. And that's true. And I mean, I've, I've had some people like, oh God, I remember this couple. Oh, they were so nice. It was a, a neighbor of the, the man who passed away and he, you know, had been their neighbors forever. He's, you know, a single by himself. And he asked them like, hey, do you think you guys would be willing to take care of my arrangements? And mm-hmm. They said yes, and it was like the most one of the most heartfelt like arrangements I've Aww. ever made because it's just like some neighbors that like kind of barely knew the guy and made sure that he was you know taken care of and like yeah. those are the kind of people that you know if you're a good person <laughs> that you tend to have people that want to help you. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. I think there's also this thing that we're not really going to get into, but it's like probate court. So if the decedent is unclaimed and say they have like a partner that they weren't married to or like a friend or like a girlfriend or whatever. And this person wants to take care of them. They can go to court to like get, we, we talked about how decedent um, deceased people are pseudo property. So they go to court to like get the rights to take care of the burial and take care of the remains, which is an absolute nightmare uh, working with probate court because they're supposed to be, you know, kind of quick on the draw with something like this, but they're not like they, (laughs) they really take their time just as any other government agency does with anything. So I've, I've had this happen before with like stepchildren who never were officially adopted and they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm his right. daughter. And I'm like, no, yeah. you're the stepdaughter. Sorry. So they've had to go to court for, for stuff like that. Especially in a state where next of kin like trumps everything, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, even if this person had like a live-in girlfriend for like 20 years and they never talk to their kids and their kids hate them, uh, the kids are still the next of kin. So they yeah. have all the rights, which is just insane. But that's just how it is. 
It's something that um, many, many states have adopted some form of paperwork and legislation for this. And I, I will bring this up until I'm blue in the face. Everybody, listen to me right now. If you skip to whatever timestamp this is and listen to nothing else in this entire podcast, <laughs> listen to what I have to say right now. Um, there are paperworks in many states that go by different names, things like uh, funeral representative paperwork, uh, final disposition representative, whatever have you. Basically, it's usually a very short form, two or three pages, that you just have to do in front of a notary of a person that wishes to have their arrangements taken care of by some somebody that's not in the next of kin chain or wants to skip in the chain and that person that is accepting that responsibility and you just sign saying, yes, I will handle the arrangements for so-and-so. Yes, I want so-and-so to handle my arrangements. Notarized, you're good to go. So you don't even have to go through this headache. Say even you have 10 kids and you don't want all of them to sign the cremation paperwork. Have one person designated the agent. They will then be able to take care of all the arrangements past everyone else. Please look this paperwork up. (laughs) I am so serious. It's the easiest afternoon you'll ever spend and it'll make your family and friends life so much easier when you die (laughs) and another reason why this is so important this is also listen to me power of attorney ends when you die it ends at death it ends when you die (laughs) this is one of the biggest things that we have to deal with is people being like oh well i was just a power of attorney it doesn't matter he's dead it ends when you die and I don't think a lot of people know this. No one knows true. this. Absolutely. Yeah. I've had one in 20 people actually say, I was power of attorney, but I know that I don't have that anymore. I'm like, oh, who was Thank your, you. <laughs> who wrote this up for you? Because they actually prepared you for what you had to go through. Like, I don't know how somebody can write this paperwork up for somebody and not tell them, oh, by the way, when he dies, it's over. Like, yeah, that is the a really big clause, die, huge yeah. clause. <laughs> it's something we as death professionals deal with, like, Almost every shift, I was like, power of attorney ends when you die. Like, it's, yeah. Always. I always, I love the haughty people that will come to the table. It's like, well, excuse me, I'm power of attorney. And I'm just like, and that ends at death. Fight me. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. I cannot say that enough. Um, We got kind of on a tangent, but that's important to know. A very important tangent, nonetheless. (laughs) So, through all these processes, searching for the next of kin and investigating finances of the family can take weeks. It can take months. It, it's a huge process. Mm-hmm. And I think that like what people think of like an unclaimed body is like, what's the time limit? So is it like, you know, you die and then like a week later you're unclaimed if your family doesn't pick you up? That's not the case. Usually it's much, much, much longer. Um, it varies per state, but I think a general like rough rough guideline is that if there has been no contact with any next of kin or if the next of kin can't afford to make arrangements and the deceased is still at the morgue, um, I think by 90 days is like a good general rough rough time as to when processes start happening. So 90 days in the morgue, that's three months. By this time, if the morgue is concerned about like, any sort of like storage uh, schematics. I don't know how to say this in the right way, but you know, after a while, you're going to start decomposing, even if you're in a cooler. Um, It's just going to start happening. Um, So in our morgue specifically, we would freeze bodies after, I would say like a month, maybe two months, depending on how full we were. Um, I know in a lot of, a lot of bigger city morgues, they have like a separate, like cooler long-term storage (laughs) yeah long-term storage um so things like this like you're not 
it's, you know, say like on the 89th day, you have a cousin that wants to give you an open casket funeral. Like, mm, it's probably not going to happen. Like you've been sitting in a morgue for however, however long. That's a closed casket. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things like this. So I would say usually 90 days is when we start to see like a, a funeral home applying for state burial assistance for this unclaimed person. The morgue's moving forward with that sort of paperwork. So after this 90 days, basically what happens is that the morgue can submit this person as an unclaimed decedent. Um, Usually, then this could vary, but in the states that we've worked in, um, it's then the funeral home who works with the state on unclaimed cases. It's their responsibility as a representative to apply for state assistance with this person. So now the funeral home is responsible for this person. And... This actually could get funeral homes in a little bit of trouble, um, depending if if you uh, accept an indigent indigent case. If you accept an indigent case and the city actually rejects the payment, says they're not going to get involved, and the family says, uh, we hated him and just ditches, you're kind of like stuck with a body until you can figure out what to do with it. Um, like I've had nursing homes in the past. Like I was specifically warned when I was on call at my last funeral home. If a nursing home calls and says, oh, you know, come pick up so-and-so, the family wants you wants to use your funeral home, we would absolutely refuse to do it until we talked with the next of kin because we had some nursing homes that would just pawn off bodies because they didn't have morgues for them. So they would just be like, yeah, get, come get them out of here. And uh, we'd get stuck with a body. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can definitely see that happening. In cases like that, that's when you have to call the medical examiner because right. the medical examiner is responsible for any unclaimed decedent. Um, but yeah, that's, I feel like that's happened a lot where they're like, oh yeah, the family wants to use so-and-so funeral home. And then you show up and they're like, oh, well, we haven't really talked to the family. It was just on the paperwork. And it's like, okay, well, (laughs) we can't just send this body with a poor funeral home. Right, exactly. Without any sort of means to, uh, to take care of them. But if all the conditions are met and the city does confirm their involvement with these arrangements and will uh, actually help with the payment, they'll reach out to their local funeral home contact. And that's when the funeral home starts to take over, uh, getting paperwork and permits together, a death certificate still needs to be filed. Uh, sometimes contact with the family can be established with the funeral home if we're given like a lead, uh, especially if it's like cremation. We'd still like to try to get the cremation paperwork signed by the family if possible. Otherwise, the law director for the city can instead um at our funeral home specifically because my funeral home does handle a lot of the indigence in and around our area because we were a huge city we have a very large funeral home in a very huge city and so like we we don't allow families to do any like extra viewing or buy merchandise because the logic is like if you can't afford to be cremating your loved one the city has to pay for it like you're not getting an urn from us (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Um, And like I said before, like that stuff does happen. Um, You know, the, the thing with the income and everything, it can work out and, you know, the city can pay for this, but then, you know, the families might swoop in and be like, oh, well, we want this and this and this too. It's like, no, you're like taking resources away from someone who really does need this and it's not appropriate. Exactly. Something I found interesting after researching this uh, was that, you know, 
you you think of an indigent case as somebody who's got nobody, but a lot of times it, it really is people that uh, just didn't have a lot of money. So a lot of the times after like we perform a cremation for these indigent cases, uh, a family will end up getting the cremated remains back after. Like we we do like to try to return them to families uh, after the fact so they can go home with their loved one instead of having to go in you know our common crypt or in a potter's field. But that's usually only the case if there's no next of kin or their bridges with their next of kin are burned. So that's when we take over and go to um, our local cemetery. There is a crypt above ground that we can place like a bunch of cremated remains. And you have to think that normally they're meant to fit, you know, full casket burials or they're meant to fit full casket entombments. So you can fit a lot of cremated remains in there. That's where we inter ours specifically. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like a recent development, actually, I was reading. Um, So they used to just, you know, bury the bodies in, you know, potter's fields, like mass graves, unmarked graves, things like this. But now with the rise of cremation, they are cremating first and then burying the ashes. It's kind of like a space saver. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know... I would say the the extra cost to cremate is like negligible. Like it's not, I would say the space saving is probably, especially in really populated cities with a very, very large um, indigent population or like a high poverty level. I think the space saving is more advantageous versus like the city paying a little bit extra for cremation. Yeah. And the thing about um, the actual disposition of the bodies after they're cremated, if nobody wants to take them home, like we can't just yeet them in the trash or something. Okay. <laughs> it has to be essentially kind of like a recorded place that they are at. So like these cemeteries will have, even though there's not like a plaque or anything, uh, on this common crypt that says all these people's names, like they will be on record. Like, it's not like if there was next of kin that wanted to get them back at some point, they couldn't, there is full documentation of where these people are. Right. Cause even like if ever something needed to happen where either these remains needed to be located or like there needed to be a record that this person did die and was buried by the state. Like this is important. You have to keep track of these things and you can't just like, you know, toss a bunch of unclaimed uh, unclaimed bodies into the trash. So since I was familiar with like the concept of like cremation and common crypt through my funeral home, um, as soon as like I started doing research for this episode and found out like that a potter's field was even like a real thing that's not in movies or not just in movies, uh, I immediately wanted to see like where's the lo- local potter's like do I do we have a local potter's fields and it really depends. Um, some places, like with big metropolitan cities, will have Potter Potter's fields locally, uh, at least nearby that major city. Or it could be something like in the middle of nowhere. So it really depends on your geographical location. But in my area specifically, we have two well-hidden Potter's fields of yore. Of yore. Of yore. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't actually even have addresses when I looked them up. You have to know who to ask to get there. And actually, one of the, the potter's fields that is local to me hasn't even been used since the 50s. Like, it's it's no longer used. Do you know if it got, like, full up or is it just kind of, like, just old? Yeah, I just think it's down. defunct at this point. They just don't use it anymore. The other one, however, is still used. Um, the it, it has a name. It has, like, a whole name. But 
they just call it the Potter's Field. Like the name stuck, and like no one knows it by its actual like you know quote unquote cemetery name. <laughs> um, but the records are kept by the city that it's in, and the local funeral home in that city has a contract with the city for all of these indigent burials. Um, they actually, I guess, stopped doing the full body burials about twelve years ago, and they only now bury uh, cremated remains twelve to a grave. So what we were talking about essentially, uh, just because it is space saving, right? The health department works with the funeral home and the funeral home contacts the city for the burials and the plots are marked uh, by numbered metal pins in the ground because I was wondering like, oh, do they have like headstones? But everything is just marked by these pins that have numbers. Mm -hmm. And uh, the woman that I spoke to on the phone, she actually mentioned that the families are allowed to pay for their own headstones as long as they leave room uh, for any other headstones that other family members of those in the grave might want to put in. Hmm, that's interesting. It's always interesting to me, like after the fact, like, oh, uh, Uncle Jerry is in a, you know, unmarked grave in a potter's field. Let's buy him a head, like a $600 headstone. Yeah, like, right. you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, more interesting to me, though, is, I mean, yeah, it's hard to find these places. They don't actually have any open visiting hours for people to come and pay respects like other cemeteries, you know, that are usually open until like sundown for people to come pay respects. But that is like not a thing that they have uh, at this Potter's mm. Fields and I'm sure many others like it. Um, you actually have to set up an appointment with the city to even come visit the graves. And that's not even just like families that want to pay respects, but like anybody like funeral home otherwise. Actually, as I was looking into this, I thought this was super sweet. So one of our uh, local Catholic churches, they actually have this like pallbearer ministry, which is like it's a free service to indigent deceased. So if you don't have enough family to like bear a casket to its final place of rest, like this, this little high school ministry uh, can be called and they can come, you know, actually assist with services. I've actually called this ministry uh, for just regular cases uh, when I've had families that are much too small or like next of kin is too old to actively pallbear. Um, so they're, it's a really nice service that they provide to our community. And they actually have a ceremony at this potter's field twice a year in memory of the people that have been forgotten, all those lonely souls. And they actually read off the names of all the people buried there since their last prayer service. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I thought that was a really sweet way for them to to kind of connect to these people that might not have had anyone to to think about them or say goodbye or pray for them. It's actually estimated that the specific potter's field that I've been talking about has 18,000 people that have been buried there in the last 100 years, which is like that's wow. that's like a, that's a lot of people. <laughs> that is a lot of people. And you know, you think about like like how do these people not have anyone but then when you see this number and you know you're thinking about it like that's 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 really sad and that's a lot of people who are living in these circumstances and yeah like they had to be taken care of think about you know 1800 unclaimed bodies going through all that paperwork going through all those processes uh that's literally insane <laughs> so no matter how you've lived your life or where you are in life when you die your body needs to be taken care of there are processes in place for this to happen. It's easy to forget about the people that need this extra care, the people that don't have anyone looking after them. You might not even realize it when you're driving by your local potter's field. So next time you're at the cemetery paying respects to your own family, you might be paying respects next to a crypt full of people that didn't have any family. So maybe give them a thought and some positive vibes and maybe look into your own cities to see if you have some potter's field nearby and see if there's any ceremonies or celebrations to celebrate them. I think it's a really meaningful way to show some humanity to your fellow 
compatriots that just didn't have anybody for them. But that's going to be it this week for Mort Mike. We'd love to connect with you guys on our socials. So like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Mort Mike Podcast. That's M-O-R-T-M-I-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. It would mean a lot to hear your feedback. So tell us what you think in a comment and drop us a rating on whatever podcast hosting site that you use. If you have any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear about or some burning questions that you might have on death, shoot us a message at mortmikepodcast at gmail.com. I also want to give a huge thank you to our friend Marcin for the use of his song titled Deputies of Death, which he produced just for our show. You can check out his Bandcamp at Marcin. That's M-A-R-S-O-N music.bandcamp.com. Thanks, Marcin. And be sure to tune in every other week on Thursdays for some more casual discussions on death. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been Mort Mike. Bye. Bye.